a welcome to the Church Home podcast. My name is David, and I get the privilege of serving as CEO here at Church Home, and I'm so glad that you joined us here today. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message from Chelsea around the person of Jesus and his love for you. But if we can serve you as a community in any way, we would love to do so. And the best way for that to happen is to actually chat with a pastor, which you can do on our pastor chat tool on our website at churchhome.org or on the Church Home app. And hey, if you've been listening to these messages and this podcast and have been impacted in your walk and journey with Jesus, we want to invite you to join those who so generously contribute to tell the story of Jesus through Church Home across the globe. And you can do so by texting the word generosity to the number 97,000. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this message. Church, here we are in the Christmas season once again and talking about what we really want. I know Judah talked about it last week, and I'm so excited to bring this up. But first, I have to talk about Christmas in America. And here's the reality. I know as believers, as people who believe in Jesus, we know that Christmas is about Jesus, Jesus being born. But it's also, let's be honest, it's about presents. It's about parties. And here's how I feel about that. It doesn't have to be either or. It really can be both. And we can celebrate Jesus and be so grateful that he came and he was born for us and became the Savior of the world. But we can also go to the party and give presents. And so, because the Smith family does presents, our Christmas morning looks like we read the Christmas story, and I am the stickler. Do not let Judah tell you. I am the one who makes sure we read the Christmas story before we open presents. And then we open presents. And so, when the kids were little, it was so cute. They used to make Christmas list. And these lists, like, you could barely tell what they were spelling. You know, it was in their crayon and in their capital letters, and I would have to ask Jesus for the gift of interpretation to figure out what they really meant. And, you know, so what is a T-U-K? That's a truck. Oh, okay, good to know. But now, as the kids have gotten older, their Christmas lists have become very sophisticated. In fact, they're not on a piece of paper anymore. Nope, they're on a Google Doc. And this Google Doc is complete with my favorite thing when it comes to Christmas. Christmas shopping, and that is links. All I have to do is click on the link and figure out what I want to get them, and they tell me what size they want. They tell me what color they want. Their Christmas list is full of all of the details. And here's the bottom line with me and my teenage children. My kids do not trust what I would pick out for them. So they go, and they pick it all out for themselves, and they make their list, and they make sure that they're going to get what they want. Here's the question I have for you today that we're going to talk over in the next few minutes. It is this. Do you trust what God wants for your life? Do you believe He has something good for you? Or are you like my teenage kids? And hey, let's be honest about it. And I I know I'm a combination of both here, so it's not necessarily either or. Do you make a list with details and links and say, hey, God, this is what my life, I want my life to look like. So here is what I want from you as a gift. The reality is, God's will for us is important. And in Matthew chapter 6, there's an incredible phrase, and it says this. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he said, hey, when you go and pray, every single day, I want you to pray a version of this prayer. And it was this. We've all heard it before if you've heard the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, pray, God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Jesus was saying, hey, every day, I want you to live a life where you would come to God and say, hey, God, today, I want your will to be a part of my life. I want your kingdom to come in my life. 
And what I love about Jesus is he tells us to do this, and then he actually demonstrates for us how it's done. And we see that when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's about to go to the cross. And because he has... He has incredible supernatural knowledge. He knows how agonizing it's going to be. He knows how painful it's going to be to take all of our sins and to be separated from the Father who all he had known for eternity is being one with him. And so as Jesus is there in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he goes to the cross, he has this conversation with God and he's saying, hey, I don't feel like going to the cross. It's not going to be fun. I'm going to suffer. But he makes this statement. He says, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. In other words, he said to God, hey, it's not about what I want here, it's about what you want. And through demonstrating that, Jesus showed us how to live out this life where we're saying, hey, every day, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. It's not about what I want, but it's about what you want. And I love it because not only did Jesus demonstrate that, but we see it in the early church in the book of Acts. Paul the apostle was wanting to do something that the other church leaders didn't actually feel great about, but Paul said, no, this is what I have to do. And it was actually, once again, going to be harm to Paul's body. But the church leaders together made this statement. They said, hey, what the Lord wills is what we want to be done. And if you're like me and you've grown up in church for any amount of time, you know that that's how we're supposed to live. As followers of Jesus, if you have given your life to Jesus and you'd say, yes, Jesus, I'm following you, we know that we're supposed to do God's will, not our will. In other words, we're supposed to live our life not according to what we think we want, but we're supposed to live our life according to what we believe God wants for us. But we don't always do that. Okay, let me rephrase that. I don't always do that. And if you're anything like me, I'm guessing you don't either. I think there's two reasons why, as human beings, sometimes we struggle in actually living out the will of God and actually saying, hey, on a daily basis, God, what you want for my life is what I want, and I'm going to live that out. The first is a simple little thing. It's a simple thing, but boy, is it a powerful thing in our lives. The first reason sometimes we don't say, hey, God, your will be done, is our feelings. Dun, dun, dun. Anybody else grew up in church and, oh gosh, I, I don't know if I can remember the poem, but it said, um, hmm, uh, on your word, feelings come and feeling go. All of those are fleeting. On the word of God is whatever I'm going to stand. No else will I believe be believing or something like that that we grew up, right? That we have these feelings. What I find so fascinating is in the 1960s, a neuroscientist did a study about how we make decisions. And he did this in all sorts of ways. And things that are very complicated that I don't understand. But he discovered, and current research still agrees with him, that 95% of the decisions we make aren't because of what we think we're supposed to do, but it's because of what we feel we're supposed to do. Can you believe that? 95% of our decisions aren't based on our logic, aren't based on our reason. They're based on these things that live inside of us that we don't even understand on most days called our feelings. And when I read that, I chuckled like, oh, that makes sense. That's why kids want candy. If we let our kids make decisions, I don't know about your kids, maybe your kids love vegetables, mine did not, and we're still working on that. If we let kids decide what they wanted to eat, what do they feel like eating all the time? Candy. And then they grow up and they become teenagers. And did you say this when you were a teenager? I did, and I know my kids have said it to me, and that is, oh, when I become a parent, I'm never going to do what you do, or I'm never going to let my kids not do this. And sure enough, I said that to my parents, and here I am doing those things to my children. 
children and my children are saying that to me. So I cannot wait until they become parents and I get to laugh, laugh. And I'm like, ha ha, you're doing what I did. <laughs> but that's another way of living, by, that teenagers express living by our feelings. And here's a reality. As we get older and as we mature, even though our frontal lobe develops a little bit more and we make a little bit more logic-based decisions than teenagers do, still 95% of our decisions are based off of our feelings. And I know on the days when I feel like serving people, and I feel like loving my husband, and I feel like talking to my children, man, then those days I'm making great decisions. But what about days when I feel like giving up? I don't feel like getting out of bed. I feel like quitting. Could I be honest with you? I have quit in my car, and I'm talking about my job, not serving Jesus, but I have quit my job in my car more times than I can count. I've gone out to my car like, ah, this is too hard, this pressure is too much, I quit. But the good news is my car doesn't accept my resignation and so I am still doing my job. And the reason for that is I feel called to be the pastor here at Church Home alongside Judah. I know that's the will of God for me, but I don't always feel that way. It makes sense to me that thousands of years before neuroscience research told us that 95% of our decisions are feeling-based, that, that Solomon in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter three, he wrote this verse and he says, hey, in all of your ways, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And he says, don't lean on your own understanding or other translations say opinions or some things say feelings. Solomon said, hey, in all of your ways, trust God but don't always trust your feelings because they're not always going to lead you right. And then he, the Proverbs, I love it, goes on to say, in all of your ways, acknowledge God and He will direct your paths. He will direct your steps. He will help you make decisions. And what I love about that way of life is that means we don't have to live by our feelings. We don't have to be captive to our whims in the moment. If I don't feel like being married or I don't feel like doing my job right now or I don't feel like being kind and loving my neighbor, we actually get to live by something that's so much greater than our feelings and so much less fickle and so much more sustainable for our lives, and that is the will of God. But you know what I love about the God who we serve? In Psalms chapter 103, it says this, God sees our frame. It says he know, in other words, he knows what we're made of. He knows how we work on the inside. And it says, he remembers that we are dust. And I look at that in the context and what we're talking about, and I realize that God sees who we are. He knows how we're wired. He knows how we want to make decisions. And He knows that there's going to be times when we know what we're supposed to do and we know what the will of God is, but we don't always do it. There's times when we actually let our feelings get the better of us and we run with it and it feels so good in the moment. And then the next day, you have regret. Or maybe it's 10 years later or three years later, or you just have that sinking sensation that, oh, I know I wasn't supposed to do that. And if you're in that place this morning or you're in that place whenever you're watching this, in this Christmas season, and maybe you don't even feel like celebrating Christmas because you think, oh, God's gotta be so mad at me. He must be so disappointed in me. I have to work really hard to earn back His favor and earn back His good graces and earn my way back into His will for my life. I have really good news for you this morning. That is not 
how this works. In Psalm 103, if you're in that place, can I encourage you, get out your Bible, get out the Bible app. I love it in the Passion Translation. Read the whole chapter of Psalms 103. It will remind us and tell us that as far as the East is from the West, that's how far God removes our mistakes from us. God is in the business of forgiving, of redeeming, and we still get to walk in His will even when we make those mistakes. I feel like sometimes when we do something that's out of the will of God, that we know wasn't the right thing to do, we sit there and we count the days of, okay, uh, maybe a week from now, maybe a week from that poor decision, maybe I had a bad Saturday night, but man, maybe if I can get to next Sunday, eight days from now, then maybe I can get back in God, God's good graces, or maybe then I can live in the will of God, or maybe if it was something really big that you did, then maybe it's, ooh, okay, I gotta wait a month, or if it's even bigger, then you think, okay, a, a year from now is gonna be the marking date where I can start living out God's will for my life. Can I encourage you this morning? God does not work that way. Instantaneously, He forgives us. In fact, I love it. In Proverbs chapter 24, it says, even though the righteous man or the person who is following Jesus, even though he falls seven times, and seven in the Hebrew mindset was a number of completion. So in other words, he's not saying you have seven literal times to fall. He says, even though the person falls completely, fails completely, it says he gets back up. And we don't get back up on our own strength, but we get up knowing that God has loved us and He has forgiven us. And I'm gonna remind you and encourage you one more time. If you feel in that space, read Psalm 103, encourage yourself, let the words of God wash over you so you can see who He is and you can get, get back, but you've never even lost it, but in your own mindset, get back and to know God, I want to live in your will. And so truthfully, the first reason I, I know oftentimes we don't always live in the will of God is because of our feelings. And the second reason we don't always follow the will of God is that we don't have a proper perception of who God is, or maybe we don't have a right perception of what His will for our life will actually look like. If you think about it, and if you imagine your life 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 40 years from now, and you picture that you have followed the perfect will of God to the best of your ability, what do you imagine that will look like? What do you see it looking like? I know for me, when I was, I was actually in Bible college, studying the Bible, studying Jesus, and I had this perception that, oh, if I really do the will of God, I think my life is gonna be a little boring. And I definitely feel like it'll be predictable and, oh, it's definitely not gonna, can I, can I say this? It's definitely not gonna be a very sexy life. It's just gonna be a boring, predictable, ho-hum life. In fact, my perception was so off that I thought God was going to make me marry. There was a guy in our friend group who was, we were just friends with, but he kind of drove me crazy. And I literally thought, oh, God's probably gonna make me marry him because I had this horrible perception of God and that His will for us just meant we sacrifice, 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 deny, deny, deny. And because that even though I was trying, I didn't always make the best decisions in college, a little feelings based there too as well. But our perception of God, how we see Him, plays such an important role in whether or not we are actually willing to follow the will of God for our lives. And here's what I find fascinating. And the, the verse we read at the very beginning in Matthew chapter six, what did Jesus say to pray? He said, hey, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And so we see that the will of God is tied to the kingdom of God. 
And the kingdom of God is simply God's domain. It's where he's ruling and it's where he's reigning. And Jesus is the only human who ever lived who was first in heaven where God's kingdom was perfect, God's will was perfect, and then he came to earth. And so the words of Jesus and his perception about the kingdom of God, I think should hold a lot of weight to us because Jesus is the only person who actually lived in heaven first and then came to earth. And when Jesus started preaching, he said so many times when he talked about the kingdom of God, do you know how he described it? He said, hey, guys, good news is coming because the kingdom is here. Or Jesus said, hey, I want to tell you about the wonderful news of the kingdom. Or another time he said, I want to give you hope because of the kingdom of God. And Jesus had this concept. He knew, he understood that where, where God is in charge, it's wonderful, it's good news, it's full of hope. And sometimes that can seem a little ethereal to me. It's like, yeah, a lot of things are full of good news, but we live in a world that's full of a lot of bad news. And realistically, we looked at the life of Jesus and he was living out the will of God and he still suffered and died and went through pain. And so it's like, okay, what is this wonderful, good, hopeful news all about? What is this kingdom actually? And we see that in Romans chapter 14, where Paul the Apostle was describing the kingdom of God. And this is how he describes it. He says, the kingdom of God, it's not about eating and drinking. In other words, it's not about the natural, tangible things that we have, the pine cones or the candles or the Christmas tree. The kingdom of God is actually three things. It is righteousness and peace and joy. In other words, it's we get to live in this space that no matter what is happening in the circumstances around us, on the inside, I know I have right standing with God because of Jesus. And then because of that, I have a perfect peace that never diminishes and never goes away. And I have a joy that is so complete. And so when Jesus said, hey, I want you to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. He was saying he wants us to pray a prayer that sounds something along the lines of, hey, God, I want to live a life that is full of righteousness, that is full of peace, and that is full of joy. And none of these things that are dictated on my circumstances, but just based on what I have on the inside of you. And that verse tells us that the way to live that life is actually through living in the will of God. How do you feel about that? In this moment, right here, right now, how much are you actually, not willing, but how much do you really wanna say, okay, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, and to pray that prayer on a daily basis? I know it's not 100% if we're really being honest with ourselves because we're human and we live on this planet that, that's broken and, and, and all the things that we see. But Jesus gives us a, a real tool in how to recognize and live our lives with the kingdom of God in mind. In one of his first sermons, Jesus said in Mark chapter three, Jesus said, hey, repent because the kingdom of God is here. And if you've grown up in church the way I've grown up in church, here's the thing about the word repent. It's not a word that we use in everyday colloquial life. It's definitely a religious term that we have set aside. And for me growing up, the picture of repent was similar to how I felt about the will of God. Like, okay, deny yourself. You can't do what you wanna do. Beat yourself, make it all really hard. And then, and then you can get the kingdom of God. But the word that we have taken to mean repent, which is a religious term, was actually originally a Greek word because the Bible was written in Greek. 
And when it was written, it wasn't a religious term. It was a common term that would have been used all the time. And the people who spoke this language in the time of Jesus knew that the word repent actually means change your mind. It's actually the same root word where we get the word metamorphosis, which is change and transform. But it's not our actions, it's our mind. It's the way that we think. And in the context of that verse, Jesus wasn't just saying, hey, change your mind because the kingdom of God was here. It was this, change the way you see God because God's kingdom is coming to earth. How do you see God? God is perfect. He loves us so much. Everything that he does is right and perfect. But here's the problem. We have never seen a perfect person in our lives. As much as I love my husband, he's not perfect. As much as I love my kids, they're not perfect. And I have wonderful friends, but they've all let me down at times. We're all human and I've let them down. And it's so important for us to see our picture of God that is accurate. And that's why Jesus said, hey, repent, change the way you see God so that the kingdom of God, the righteousness and peace and joy can live inside of your life. And when you live that way, it's easy to say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not what I want, God, what you want for my life. So how do we do that practically? How do we see God in a different way? How can we change our mind about God? Oh, man. If I had an easy answer for that, then we would all be fantastic. But the reality is it's a daily decision. It's a daily process. It's a daily walking out. And I believe that's why Jesus said, hey, when you pray this Lord's Prayer, it's how you talk to God every day. That's why I said, give us this day our daily bread. And so we know it's meant to be a daily habit. So we walk out daily, hey, God, show me something new about yourself today. Can you show me who you really are today? Because yesterday morning when I connected with you, I knew that you loved me, but by the time I went to bed last night, I was really down and discouraged and I didn't even want to have anything to do with you. And then we get to wake up the next morning and say, hey God, can you do it again? It's also so great conversations with friends that we can sit around and talk to friends and coworkers and people who know Jesus or maybe people who don't, we get to tell them about him. That is such a phenomenal way that we can change our mindset about Jesus, that we can see God in a new light simply by the conversations that we have. Things like reading Psalm 103, finding a verse, meditating on it, actually seeing God in that way. If you're part of Church Home Community, our daily guided prayers, why are we so passionate about those? Because we all want to repent. We all want, myself included, all of us, we want to see God in a new way, in a fresh way every day. And so we provide prayers for you so that every day we can repent and we can see God for who He is and we can see God in a new and fresh way. And I promise you this, God wants to reveal Himself to you. God wants to show you His love. He wants to show you His compassion. He wants to show His will to you. He wants to show His way to you. He wants to do it. Now, here's the problem. I hear that and I think, okay, give it all to me. I wanna know what I'm doing 40 years from now. I wanna know what I'm supposed to do with my kids and their college. And I wanna know, um, when do I die? Because I really wanna die with you to not by myself. Like, hey, can you give it all to me? Here's, here's the truth. It doesn't work that way. We get it one day at a time, one step at a time, one prayer at a time, one thought at a time. We get to live this life where we say, hey, God, not my will, but your will be done in my life. And here's what I believe for you in this Christmas season. We're all going to get gifts from God. And yes, we've got Jesus in a manger, sweet baby Jesus in the nativity scene, wherever yours is, God bless it. 
But you know, God has more gifts to give us than Jesus, which he's already given us. And I know this because in James chapter one and verse 17, it says this, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above. It comes from God. And it comes from God because he doesn't change. He's constant. He's the same. And so when he shows us who he is, when he shows us his love, when he shows us his power, when he shows us his peace, he doesn't change from that. He is consistently that way. And so when we see God for who he is, we can live our life with this expectation of God, I believe you are going to give me good gifts. You're not just gonna give me good gifts, but you're gonna give me perfect gifts. That verse in James says, says every good gift and Every perfect gift comes from above from God in whom there's no shadow or variation of changing because he is the same. And when we get that daily, that daily revelation, that daily walk, I believe it's going to live us, let us live this life where we get to say, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. And then we're going to live in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna pray for you as we conclude this message. But as I pray, I'm gonna have a very unique close that we would normally have to a, to a service here. I actually wanna ask you a question. Do you have the guts to today? I'm not asking you about tomorrow, but I'm saying today. Do you have the courage to say, hey God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. And to surrender what you want to what he wants because you know he's good and you know that your feelings are gonna come and go, but he's always going to be consistent. If you would, would you just pray that with me? Just repeat it after me. Say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life today. And then will you pray it again tomorrow and the next day and the day after that and expect good and perfect gifts from God this Christmas season. I love you, church.